Friends, we have been um, in the middle of a sermon series about our mission as a church. Last week, Brett talked to you about what it meant for us as a community to be rooted in Scripture. And now we're going to talk about what it means to be united in Christ. And in order to do that, we're going to hear a reading from the Apostle Paul's uh, letter to the church in Galatia, a church that was in turmoil, a church that was divided. This is from the third chapter, verses 23 through 29. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian, for in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have also been clothed with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. You are heirs to the promise. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we come to this place. We come to this time of worship out of our busy and often confusing lives. And we come and we want to know, is there a word from the Lord for us? And so it is our prayer that we would hear you speak that word. That anything that comes out of my mouth, that anything that comes to our hearts and minds, that it would all be of you. May everything else fall away. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So a seminary degree to get your Master of Divinity is three years long. And in uh, the seminary that I went to, halfway through your program, so that's December of your second year, you had to have what was called a mid-course assessment. Now, a mid-course assessment means that you sat in front of a panel of three faculty, that you had one or two classmates, and that they would ask you all these questions about what you've learned and about your sense of call. And all I knew is that if it didn't go well, you could be asked to leave. Like, that's all I could think about, right? Is that if somehow I bombed this, I was going to get kicked out of seminary. And so we come in, and I'm a nervous wreck, and we start, and two of my professors are very engaging. They ask me, and it goes on and on. It's two hours, two hours. And one of the professors, um, the Reverend Dr. Joe Roberts, who had been Dr. King's pastor at Ebenezer in Atlanta, he didn't say a word the whole thing. And so at first I was worried about that, but then I thought, you know, maybe he's just listening. And so we get to the very end and Dr. O'Connor says, well, I think we can adjourn. And like, you know, I just felt that weight lift because I was pretty sure I'd made it. And then Dr. Roberts decides to speak. And he says, Tara, you know, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says we're supposed to take up our cross and follow him. What do you think that means for you? 
and I didn't have a single thought in my mind. I didn't have a question. I didn't have a word. It had never happened to me before. It's never happened to me since, but I just had nothing. And I just sat there like deer, you know, a deer in the headlights. And after 15 seconds of the world's most uncomfortable silence, Dr. O'Connor says, my Lord, Joe, I can't even answer that. We're adjourned and I passed. (laughs) But you can bet I've thought a lot about what that means, just in case I run into Dr. Roberts anywhere and I get asked again. And I think about that imagery of carrying our cross, especially when we ordain new ministers. Brett, you know, like I do, that this congregation is loving and caring. You have been here long enough to have them reach out to you and affirm you and care about you. And that is the best part of being a minister. It is a holy privilege to be a part of people's lives, and you do it well. But I will also tell you that there are days in ministry where you will hurt someone even though you didn't mean to. And there's nothing that feels worse than that. And there will be days in ministry where you will be called to baptize a baby who's stillborn, not because the baby needs it, but because the parents do. You will be called in ministry to offer words of comfort when someone's whole life has ended and you will think there's no way I've got enough words for that. There will be days when there's a global pandemic and you don't know what you're doing. You just keep throwing things against the wall and hope something sticks. This is what to take up our cross means to me. It means that whether it's a good day or a bad day, you keep going because you have been called by Almighty God. You're not a minister because you're good at some things or not at others. You are a minister because you have been called by Almighty God. And the only way you get out of this is when God lets you know that it's time And so on the good days and on the bad days, you're still a minister. And to take up our cross, all it means, friends, is that there are things we don't want to do. It means that there are things that our faith requires of us that we feel like we couldn't possibly do. But just like Jesus instructs, we take up our cross, we give it our best shot, one foot in front of the other. Not because we're good at it, but because we're called by God. And I've been thinking, what is the church's cross that they're supposed to carry around in this time and place? Because if you were hoping that Jesus was only talking to ordained ministers, he wasn't. Jesus says to all of his followers, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus says to all of his followers, there will be things I will ask you to do as a person of faith that will be hard, that will be unimaginable. And you know what? You're still called, so you still pick up your cross and go. And when I think about what it might mean for the church in this time and place, I think the cross that the church that you and I are asked to carry in particular right now is to show the world what it means to be unified in Christ. 
this passage from the Apostle Paul in Galatians, I don't have enough words to stress to you how revolutionary what he says was to that community. I mean, no longer Jew or Greek? That would be an impossibility to even think of. It blows up all of those categories that they had identified themselves by for so long. No longer slave or free, all are equal under God's love. That is unimaginable. No longer male or female. What we are told in this passage is that when Jesus Christ came into the world and loved us enough to die for us, that suddenly all those divisions disappeared and suddenly we were just children of God. We were just children of God. That was an incredibly revolutionary message to the people in Galatia. And you know what? It's still revolutionary today because what does the world tell us? The world tells us about division. The world teaches us to see differences and not similarities. The world tells us you're either conservative or liberal. You're either black or white. You are this or that. We're constantly dividing ourselves. And this passage reminds us that those divisions are the work of sinful humans and that unity is always found in the Lord God, in the person of Christ. You know, that last line, in case you were thinking that we're just supposed to be unified within the church, that last line says that actually now everyone is an heir of the promise. So everyone is our brother and sister. Everyone is someone we are to love. Another of my professors used to say, if you're going to preach to people, you have to love them. You don't have to like them, but you have to love them. And it's the same for us. As people called by Jesus Christ, we are called to love. We are called to be unified. We are called to exhibit that to the entire world. And it's hard. And if you are like me, you're wondering how in the world we're supposed to do that. Brett's probably wondering at times how in the world he's supposed to carry out this incredible calling to be a minister of word and sacrament. And I will tell you that the answer for those two things is the same. The first is to remember that you are called by God to live out this way of life. There is no saying, oh, that doesn't, mat that doesn't affect me, right? There's no saying that there is people who you have nothing to do with. Everyone is your brother and sister. And you are called to the work of loving them, just like you will be called to the work of loving the church. The second thing is to remember that we don't get to quit. It will be difficult. There will be days when loving seems like the stupidest thing you could possibly do, and yet you do it anyway. And that's called picking up your cross and carrying it. And the third thing, and this is the most important, is to remember that it is always Christ who gives you the ability to do this. Brett does not have to rely on his many gifts. He just has to rely on Christ. And you do not have to rely on yourself. You just have to rely on Christ and ask that with each person you meet, that you are able to love and offer the love of Christ. Today is an incredible day. 
It is a privilege to witness and be a part of the ordination of a minister. But never forget that whether you are ordained or not, when you profess faith in Jesus Christ, you are called to. Thanks be to God. Amen.